Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. It's newsflash time with your bestie gals, Madison and Abby. Well, Madison, that was fun. Was that not the most fun thing you've ever heard? Oh, it was. It was so fun. I love that. So we are now newsflash. Yes. And I mean, we're bringing you the news. Like that is for the newscasters. Mm -hmm. We're giving you the skinny. You know what I'm saying? mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's us now. Mm -hmm. That's us. Just call us. Just call us your local news reporters. And you know what? You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we do. Thank you. We Mm -hmm. do. Thank you for that. Thank you, Ab. (laughs) So with Newsflash, Mm -hmm. what do we have this week? Or well, what do we have upcoming? Maybe not necessarily this week, but upcoming. Mm -hmm. Well, we do have an event coming up. I think I know which one you're going to talk about. And it is going to be so much fun. Which one is it? Foster Parent Appreciation Night. I'm so huge. Ready. Right. I'm so ready. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be so fun. Some good food. A ton of kiddos in foster care. Can we just say how thankful we are for foster parents? The world literally would not go around. Amen. Yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. And we are ready to tell you thank you. Yeah. And... Have some food on us. Mm-hmm. And we want to play some games. Bouncy house b- things. Bouncy houses. Mm-hmm. Um, playgrounds. Mm-hmm. Food. Food. Did I already talk about the food? I mean. Probably. Treats. treats. Sweet treats. Oh, we're we're ready. It's going to be so We're excited fun. for it's it. It's going to be so fun. It is going to be fun. Yeah. Because we want to say thank you again. Yeah. And see you then. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I have a question. I have an answer, maybe. Okay. What was our Wishlist Wednesday oh, for girl. this week? It was size medium men's boxer briefs. Okay. Yes. Now, what do we, do we put those all in bags or are they going to be so used for? Yes and yes. Okay, okay, okay. Every bag, I hope, of course, comes with underwear. Mm-hmm. Huge. Mm-hmm. But we have an event at okay. the end of summer okay. called Shoes of Hope. Love it. Which is a little bit misleading sometimes because they don't just get shoes. Mm-hmm. They're also going to get a haircut if they want a nice mm-hmm. back to school haircut. Mm-hmm. Nice new pair of shoes for school. They're also going to get a book bag. Okay. That they pick out. They can get all their school supplies. But also they're going to get underwear because that's a huge need. Mm-hmm. You know, so many kids in foster care come into care with nothing. And mm-hmm. it's it's hard for us to think about what it would be like to literally just not have Something yeah. as simple as underwear, and Absolutely. a lot of them don't have it. So yeah. that's our wish list this week. So we need our listeners' help to get some more underwear because it's going to go in every single. Mm-hmm. So whatever size that we're needing right now, mm-hmm. it's going to go in every single bag that goes out. Shoes of hope. Yep. Event size days. medium. Okay, yep. size medium. Okay, I missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited for that uh, for shoes of hope, mm-hmm. and also we aim to serve a lot of families mm-hmm. in, during that event because yes. it has three different locations mm-hmm. we're gonna need a lot of oh, underwear God. so let's a let's lot. go ahead and start and yes. i think that our listeners are gonna really help us with that absolutely we had 50 on our wish list we've currently sold 18 okay so not too shabby no not shabby but at I all i believe we can do better I, we can Amen. i believe that we can mm-hmm. so well good there we are we need some more underwear live life love in your undies. shoes of hope Her. Bags of hope. They need to be filled. They do. Let's do it. Takes a village. It really does. It, it absolutely does. It takes things that you don't even think about. Yes. Because, I mean, maybe in, we had pajamas the other week. Mm-hmm. That's kind of glamorous. Those are cute. Yes. But underwear necessity. Mm-hmm. So let's get those in. 
Absolutely. I think I'm good for this week. You have anything else to update us on? You know what? No, I'm feeling good and feeling fresh. Okay. So you guys know it. You guys know it all. Mm-hmm. Listen in to this week's interview with Selena Johnson, our programs director. Yes. The lady behind so much of it. Oh, literally. So much. Behind all of the things. I absolutely <laughs> love getting to talk to her. Mm-hmm. She has such wisdom to mm-hmm. share. She has such great experience mm-hmm. and compassion. And I can't wait for y'all to listen to her. So here we are, me and Selena, interview number two. All right, Selena, how are you today? I'm good, Abby. Good. How are you? I'm pretty well. I'm doing good. Um, this is exciting to to be interviewing you and Susanna back to back. Yes, it's um so surprising that anybody mm-hmm. would want to. But we've, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you've fostered, you have some knowledge, I guess. Or yeah. just to tell your story of is beneficial to other people. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it's just good to get um, I, the voices behind who we are out there, I think. Like, that's when that's what I thought, and I thought that was really cool. Um, because we all, or you two, have had very personal interactions with foster care. This is something very personal to you guys. So I've enjoyed talking about that. So um, to start us off, I'm going to ask you, so how did you first come to foster care? What was your first experience? How did it how did it come about? Well, it's hard to say how it was kind of planted in my life because early on as a teenager, I was um, thought I would always adopt a kid. I mm-hmm. never really had like planned my life out and said, we know I'll have this many kids. I just thought... I would adopt a kid, you know, they used to, we didn't have the internet back then. And so you what, looked at magazines and read about all these international adoptions. And, you know, I wanted to go visit the orphanages. I wanted to mm-hmm. be in the Peace Corps. And then I wanted to be an, a social worker um, later. And that kind of all of that just kind of spurred for five or six years later, you know, deciding to be foster parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's, so you've always kind of had a mind for other people. Yes. Uh, the Peace Corps, that's that's interesting. That's I really cool. I didn't cool. do it. I mean, yeah. there again, it was one of those things, but I was looking for a way to kind of go and um, help other people and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. So. Well, cool. You definitely do that here. Um, the next question I'll ask you is how many placements have you had over the years? Uh, we've had six total kids. Um, that's three separate placements of sibling mm-hmm. groups. And then we did... Some respite, but that was just helping other foster parents out. And that wasn't all in North Carolina, correct? You started a while ago. Well, yeah, I started a while ago when we were, when we had two kids and they were five and three. And to give you mm-hmm. some reference, they're 18 and 21 now. So it was a long mm-hmm. time ago. Yeah. And um, at that point, <laughs> we were a little naive mm-hmm. in the process. I knew I could parent a kid like my own that wasn't my own. And I knew we wanted more kids. So yeah. I said, let's adopt. And so, or let's foster or adopt. I don't even know the, but anyway, we looked into lots of different things. I'm a do my research girl. I did a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't, it was hard to kind of, I made a lot of phone calls. I didn't get a lot of, I didn't get a lot of friendly education. I got a lot of people dissuading me from with the age of my kids from doing mm-hmm. what I wanted to do and things like that. When it all comes down, we got licensed very naively to foster or to adopt a young, my boys were five and three, a young girl or a sibling set of girls. So we kind of narrowed ourselves out of the market at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, to want one or two girls under the age of three. 
Um, so our house held it empty for a long time, mm-hmm. because, okay. but no one explained that if we had said, you know, if you'd be willing to increase this, if you would be willing to take this, then you would have kids sooner. Yeah. So we finally did get a placement the week before Christmas. Okay. Um, we got a little baby girl and a four-year-old boy. And uh, they said it was a short-term placement. And so it kind of worked out. One of the very difficult things about that placement is their home county was two counties away and it was mm-hmm. mountainous counties. So I had a car of, you know, four kids, five and under with car sickness every week. And oh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> and we were kind of set up for failure with that weekly visit two yeah. counties away. But, you know. You made it work. We persevered through yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> car sickness and all oh my goodness and I think that's something that I don't think about often is that these kids aren't necessarily in the county like they're not growing up in the county that they're from Mm -hmm. you know and but also on the flip side of that the foster parents they live in a county but this kid's not from a county so you do have to make that work so um that's not something that I think about on a day-to-day basis, but it is happening. It and is it happening. And I would issues. say that anybody was really interested in foster care, if you were going to talk to an agency, mm-hmm. you need to ask what county they place kids from. Mm-hmm. Because most kids have a weekly visit, and most of the times that's at the DSS building, and they have established things in their home county. So if you can't change all that that's a Mm -hmm. lot of driving yeah you just need to know that up front yeah am I comfortable with that now I've had kids who could not be placed in their home county yeah and that's a that's a situation too and it's for their best interest not to be placed in their home county yeah for sure um but it is definitely something to think about um that happens um that leads me into my next question of what was the hardest call you've received from DSS um when they needed you to take a child Well, um, we weren't real good at saying no. And Mm -hmm. so lots of the things that we kind of, you know, early on in the foster process, you kind of decide and even doing the classes and the paperwork of what would you take in your home versus what would you not? And that's ages and sex of the kids and behaviors and Mm -hmm. health problems. You kind of say, do I have some parameters or do I not? Um, and so, but we were not very good at say like, here's our list of parameters, knowing the age of our kids. Yeah. We weren't real good at sticking with that. So we yeah. said yes yeah, to some situations that it's like, Hey, that was on our no list. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. want a kid in between those two kids and we did it anyway. Yeah. But I was, I took, there was a few, we were licensed again, just a few years ago during COVID. Okay. And so uh, we had a, a call that was really hard at the time. It was a teenage boy. My three boys, they were all in their teens. It would have been an easy, but like they needed to be, no, no school was full time at that time. Yeah. And that hybrid education with the teenager at home and working parents, we couldn't get the logistics of that worked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they do um, honor that in a lot of ways. But I think that when you do get those calls and it's like, we really need a place for this child, that's you know, that would be hard to say no to. Absolutely. Yeah. Usually those calls, I need, I need a second to say logistically, can we make yeah. this work? Yeah. You know, can, uh, you know, can, is our bedroom configuration right? What do mm-hmm. we, you know, can we get them to school? Do they, what do we need to do? And then if yeah. I logistically can get that down, then the rest of it will come. For sure. But sometimes yeah. you just like, you know, for instance, if you're adding a fifth kid and their schedule is completely different than the other four kids mm-hmm. and, you know, some things are just too hard to work out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm going to follow that up with how hard was it to see the child's pain as um, you help them navigate into your home and make that transition as easy as possible? 
it is really hard to, um, and you learn more about these kids as they're in, in your home. And some of it is through behaviors and therapies. And some of it is you just finally getting your hands on, on some information. Um, you know, there's, you know, you have learned some kids, some things about the kids in our home well after they've been in my home that, I mean, it's just not pleasant information here mm-hmm. about anybody. And yeah. so you kind of have to reconcile. This is what I know about this kid. And I didn't know this for four months while they were Mm -hmm. in my home. And so, you know, now that I know this, what will be different or, you know, how will this play in my head? And then I've had kids who I didn't have any straight from their home and my home. And that was really hard because it was really hard to see kids who were at their lowest of lows Mm -hmm. and then come in. I always say it's kind of like they have lost the light in their eyes. Mm -hmm. It's gone. And you look at a kid and sorry. Uh, you look at a kid and it's gone and but a couple weeks later with some stability and love and it it comes back yeah (laughs) yeah you get me all teary too um and I think that that really the stability and love that you know it's that's very evident in you guys' home so it's it's so fun to see you know people who you're like oh no Y'all are doing it really well. And you're like, well, we can offer that to other kids. And that's what um, inspire. Like, hey, it really helps me, inspires me that these are people who are good at what they do, raising a family, having kids, and you open your home to more. I, I really, I really appreciate that and see that. Um, and that's been good to get a front row seat to here. Um so did you face opposition from anyone in your family or friend group when you decided to start fostering? Um, well, we like I said, we've been licensed three times because we moved out of state um, and then different times in our life. The very first time, I don't remember much opposition. I don't remember much opposition about being licensed. Other than maybe the third time we were licensed, everybody's like, why do you want to do this again? Mm-hmm. Or, why, or are you sure about this? Um, more along lines of placements, you know, trying to in theory, looking out for our best interest or, Mm -hmm. you know, are you sure you want to get back into that? Are you sure you want to say yes now? Are you sure that won't be too hard on this kid who has to share a a bedroom or this kid who's going through this big change in life? Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. I mean, in the end, they, my, my family and friends were very supportive. I won't say they all understood it Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't even understand it as we were going through it at times. (laughs) But it did educate lots of people <laughs> yeah. about foster care while yeah. we had placements. I mean, I was always amazed when we had placements, the questions, not in front of the kids, but the questions we would get asked that yeah. w- would lead me to believe that the the vast majority of people are just completely naive. Mm-hmm. You know, two kids in her home one day. Did you adopt them? Um, no, I did <laughs> not. That is not how this works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to adopt them, that is a very long process. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, and some of it people don't understand why kids are in care or mm-hmm. how the, they don't definitely don't understand the timeline of yeah. kids being in care. So I always really tried to educate people mm-hmm. as best I could mm-hmm. without when kids weren't around and not, and definitely not educate them about my kids and their history. That oh, kind of no. Thing. Yeah. Um, but just the system in general, it is, it's, it's a big system. It's um, a daunting thing. Just, I mean, the legal system in general, but especially children, being in custody of the state that's that's big and hard to understand so i'm i'm glad that you know so you're kind of glad that people ask those questions so you do have that opportunity but you're like also like 
Oh no, definitely not adopted them yet. They yeah. just got here last night. Yeah, That's and not... I mean, granted, when I was the first time I touched foster care and we yeah. were licensed, I mean, I was I was selfish and naive. We wanted to grow our family mm-hmm. by adopting, kind mm-hmm. of is what it was. And then um, we moved, and then this established in another part of the country, mm-hmm. and decided that we would do it again. And at that time, we were like, we will only foster because I don't know how long we're going to be in this state, but we probably, I'd hate to be in the middle of adoption and not be able to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And then the third, when we got licensed again, I was like, whatever, I just, you know, we'll, we'll say yes. And we'll, whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't really care, but Mm -hmm. we prefer just to foster at this point. Yeah. But we're not ever going to say no to something because we've learned that that's what we'll get. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, so I will follow that up with where did your passion from foster care come from? Um, it's really, I think, just a God-given passion. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't explain it other than, you know, all these, just the things I touched as a kid and the images and stuff mm-hmm. like that is just, you know, seeing, wanting to help others yeah. and the kind of the thought of being able to parent a kid that's not yours, like yours. I think can really only come from God because I don't yeah. think everybody can do that. Yeah. I'm not saying you're special or different, but mm-hmm. that is a God-given ability to be able to do. Yeah. So, um, and then as I've grown and grown in my relationship with Christ, he's kind of really grown um, m- much more my compassion mm-hmm. for the the parents that lose their kids to foster care or yeah. lose their kids because well, I was scared to death of those people 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And didn't understand how in how any of that happened and didn't understand. I mean, I was just, I didn't understand any of it. Mm-hmm. And now I have, I can see so much. I mean, I could definitely work with, you know, co-parenting now. Yeah. I could work definitely less push for reunification. Mm-hmm. I could do all that in a whole different mindset than mm-hmm. I could yeah. when, you know, when I was wanting to just grow my family. Now mm-hmm. I wouldn't go, I kind of go into the mindset of, well, you know, while you're here, I'm going to give you the best life possible and we're going to learn and grow and do these things. And so if you go home, you are more equipped to deal with life. Mm -hmm. There's is my mindset. Oh, I like that. And, um, it all, it all helps. None of it's for waste. And I think that, um, maybe if you, if it, even if it's respite, when you said you had done respite for a little bit, they're in a very stable, loving environment, even if we're not, however long that might be, um, nothing is wasted in that. Um, no, and I always say, you know, the kids, I mean, the goal of foster care is for kids to go home mm-hmm. and especially an old, slightly older kid, you know, they say, you know, I don't, when you're, whenever you start having memories and for mm-hmm. kids in foster care who go through trauma, it's probably a different age, but maybe they've been raised in chaos, but for a short amount of time, they lived in a family and they knew that they liked, mm-hmm. they couldn't put, they don't know what it was, but they liked the feeling of yeah. certain things whether it was everybody sitting together eating or whether it was the whole family playing together or whether it was, you know, just routines. And so they'll never be able to verbalize what it is. But at Mm -hmm. some point, I hope that shapes. I want my family to look like this for this reason. I don't understand it, but I like this Mm -hmm. and I think I want to raise my kids this way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That's, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. And I completely agree. Um, And then we'll end our time out with what advice do you have for our listeners who may be on the fence about beginning their foster care journey? Well, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no. Okay. My advice is really to, um, you know, when you have that list of the ages I'm willing to take that work mm -hmm. with your family and things like that is really stick with that. Okay. Um, and then later, if that changes, be flexible, but early on stick with that. Um, if you're on the fence and you don't know if you want to be a foster parent, find another foster family and be around them. Okay. Um, you know, babysit their kids. I will say as a foster parent with bigger kids and my, with bigger, older kids, mm -hmm. what my family needed about two or three months after a placement was a night to ourselves. You okay. Know, yeah. We needed to regroup. We needed to laugh about what happened. Mm -hmm. We need to cry about what happened. We need to just regroup and we needed someone to babysit these kids. Yeah. You know, and if that could happen on a regular basis, we, we would welcome mm -hmm. it with open arms. Um, so babysit those, uh, the, the foster children, just mm -hmm. spend some time, you know, ask them what they need. Um, they're, they may not tell you, but if you know a foster family, I'll tell you what they need. Just come see yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they can't exist and not need anything. Mm -hmm. So support another foster family, go to some events, um, learn about the different, learn about different agencies, mm -hmm. um, just really educate yourself. Most of the time, I don't think you have a desire in your heart or think that you could foster, um, and then I don't think that's a feeling that you can not do something with, Yeah, but you can explore if you can't foster right now, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you can't be involved in the world of foster care. Yeah. Those are very practical tips. Um, so, so you're not, you're not saying everyone can be foster parents. No, I mean, I don't think, I mean, like right now yeah. I'm not a licensed foster parent and I may never be licensed again, mm -hmm. but I work in the world of foster care. Yeah. If I did not work in the world of foster care and couldn't feel like I was having an impact, I would probably feel the need to be licensed again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but I do think that everybody can be, can do something. If, yeah. And if you'll, you'll meet some opposition. Um, sometimes you might have an idea of what something you want to do mm -hmm. and you might make a phone call and it not be, not be met with, you know, receptive ears. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times if you call social services, if you call an agency and ask about, they're, they're recruiting foster parents is what yeah. they ask. So if you have an idea, mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't have enough staff or enough hours or enough time to deal with something that you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I would say call somebody and say, what can I do mm -hmm. to help you before I get licensed? Um, and if yeah. they don't have okay. a list, then call someone else. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Find someone who will tell you yeah. what you can do. Be persistent. Be, be persistent, persistent and and be there. I think that yes. was that's really what you're saying is be present. Get to know. Well, first of all, you know, this podcast is helping show you that there there are needs. There are needs that are being unmet. Um not met for some, not all, you know, just different things that there, there are problems that need to be solved and it's going to take all of us. So be persistent, be persistent. People will tell, you no, mm -hmm. and that's not God telling, you no. Yeah. So if yeah. you know, you want to be a foster parent, you just have to be persistent mm -hmm. until find the right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and the, they don't have anything move to the next one because move there, the there are one. people that need your help. Um, there are people in the foster care world that need your help. And maybe it's not you opening your home to a child. Maybe that's not really an option for you. Right. Um, but there are things that you can do. And I think the definitely the babysitting because that, you like you said, just to regroup for a minute because it yeah. is, it's, it's a constant thing. It's hard. Um, but there are places that you people can practically, but maybe it's not as big as becoming a foster parent help improve the foster care system. 
Yes, okay. exactly. Find out what you can do. Learn who the kids are. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably have some preconceived notions yes. that are not correct Absolutely. about what kids in foster care are like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then find out what you need to do. Yeah. Well, Selena, it has been a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Thanks for having me. I could <laughs> have talked course. a long time, but I think we've talked enough. Yeah, I think we're, we're concise. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you, Abby. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us today for Foster Carolinas. Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. Everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do.